Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. hi to all the podcast listeners right now <laughs> and let's just say a, a special cheer to uh, Jenny and Daryl who listen every Tuesday they wait for this to come through up in Darwin so say hi Darwin hi Darwin yep <laughs> um, Barcelona Barcelona okay good it's great um, thanks guys this week I was just looking in the paper and I saw this photo and it really moved me. And this is two little boys, Andrew and Kieran, want to be adopted, can you help? And of course I looked at it straight away and went, oh, yes, <laughs> could I raise two boys? I started to think about it, you know, how would we go with two little boys in our house? You know, they're only six and eight, you know. And, you know, of course it wasn't what God was trying to say to me. But it really spoke to me this because these two little boys are in foster care. And they're looking for a permanent place to be adopted into. So they're kind of in this place of belonging but not belonging. They're kind of in, you know, placement but not a home. They haven't found a home yet. And I wondered about that. I wondered how many people outside the church and also within the body of Christ are still looking for home. And the father's voice is crying out, saying, come home, come home. And many of us may feel like, well, I'm a born-again Christian, I'm home. But you know what? You can be in a house but not home. Because we need to get the revelation, the revelation of what home really is. The revelation of what family really is. And it says in Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Kingdom family is about becoming a part of a family. You know, do you just get saved and attend church or is it something so much bigger than that? Is it bigger than that? Can we expand ourselves to think, is this bigger than me and my little world and me getting saved and me just attending a church on Sundays and, you know, I might sit next to someone in church and we say hello, we might even go to connect group together But this is not my world. This is not my family. This is just somewhere I go. I want to try and change your thinking this morning. Amen. 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people. Everyone say, once we were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you were not a family, but now you are the family of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once you were outside, but now you're inside. Once you were in a foster home looking for a place to belong, but now you've been adopted in. Amen? So to understand once we're outside, we're outside what? You're outside the kingdom family. And I want to explain that to you this morning. Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. 
let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to understand kingdom family, we need to first understand what does kingdom family look like in heaven. If we need it to be on earth as it is in heaven, what does kingdom family look like in heaven? And we know that before the beginning of time, there was God the Father, there was God the Son, and there was God the Holy Spirit. And they were together in eternity before time even began. They were the original family. In them was a perfect community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In them was a perfect society. In them was the perfect family. They were bound together by love. They had absolute security of identity. They had absolute certainty of their purpose, both individually and corporately. And they had perfection of honour in their relationships. So when we look at that, we say, God, how do we be a kingdom family? We need to take from their model and say, how do we adapt this? How do we become a perfect community? How do we become a perfect society? How do we become a perfect family? How can we be bound together in love? How can we have absolute security in our own identity while being part of a family? How can we have absolute certainty of our own purpose as well as the purpose of the corporate body? How can we have perfection of honour in relationships? Amen? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Together, before the beginning of time. And out of that perfection of family, out of that perfection of relationship, they create. First of all, they create the heavens and the earth. But then it goes on to say that they created the thing that was very closest to their heart. In Genesis 1.20, it says, let us make man in our image. You know, many people say we are made in the image of God. And, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean, we, you know, some people's depiction would be an old man with a gray beard and sitting in heaven pointing his bony finger at us? Are we made in that image? We don't really know what God looks like. But when he's saying here we are made in the image of God, I think it really says that we are made in the relational image of the perfect family who created us. <laughs> we are made in the image of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Because they said, let us create man in our image. Let us create man this perfect family that we have, this perfect family, this society that we have, let's reproduce this and let's make man in our image that they may go forth and produce and, and multiply and fill the earth with, with love just like we have and fill the earth with unity like we have and fill the earth with this perfection of family like we have. That was the original plan. Amen? Everyone agree with that? And see, our, ma our main mandate, our main assignment on earth is to reflect that relational image everywhere we go and in everything we do. 
not just to attend a church, but to actually reflect that relational image, to actually reflect the family that God originally wanted to produce on the earth in the image of the most perfect family that has ever been. And in everything we do, everywhere we go, God wants us to reflect that perfect relational image. Now, who knows we're imperfect people? Put up your hand this morning if you feel perfect. Put up your hand, put up your hand if you feel perfect in relationship. Husbands and wives, how's it going? You battle, you know. We're not perfect people. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, man was created in the garden out of relationship, out of relationship with God. And he proceeds to break the relationship with God. That's where we went wrong in the first place. Man proceeded to break relationship with God. We don't want to make the same mistake by breaking relationship with God or by breaking relationship with each other. When we think about the garden, we often think about what we lost. You know, you think back to the garden and go, wow, man, what did we lose in, in, in that garden? Like we lost so much. But ever, for one minute, have you ever thought about what God lost? Have you ever thought about what God lost? And those of you who are parents who have either lost children through death or, um, you know, had rebellious children or would know what it feels like, maybe this much of what God went through when he lost his kids. I mean, the Bible says he used to walk with us in the cool of the evening. His relationship was so close to us that he would walk with us in the cool of the evening. He would walk along. I don't know what he talked with his son about, with his boy, with Adam. He would talk with Adam son you know man you're incredible and I'm sure he would explain the universe to him and how he made the stars and about you know creation and how beautiful creation is and he would walk with Eve and and remind her that she was the most beautiful she was the crown of all his creation and and what a blessing she is to the earth and he would just walk with them in the in the cool of the garden in this incredibly intimate relationship See, God lost something in that garden. God lost his relationship with his created kids. When they sin, his kids, and they broke relationship, the Bible says that they hid from him. They were hiding from him. And he began his search looking for them. That is really the whole picture of the whole Bible is the passionate pursuit of an extravagant, loving father searching for his kids. That's what it's all about. From that day when they hid from him for the first time, he has been pursuing them with everything that he has to bring his kids back home. To say to ones that are in placement or in foster homes, come home. You're a part of my family. And we think of adoption as, you know, in the Old Testament, adoption wasn't like, you know, you're in someone else's family and I'll adopt you into mine and we'll kind of pretend that you're my bloodline. 
Adoption in, in the Bible speaks about being raised in the father's house as one of the children, being given to the priest to be raised, to brought into manhood, and then the father adopts you back as a man or a woman of God, you know, in your maturity. So you, it's the same parenting. So it's like the same thing, like we were God's kids. We broke relationship with him. We lost that, and God wants to bring us home. God wants to bring us home. He's in passionate, passionate pursuit of his kids. Mm. His plan is to redefine family on earth as it is in heaven. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, working together as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together in perfect unity to display the glory of God upon the earth. John 17, Jesus prays this prayer. And he says this, Father, when we were in heaven together, we had a glory together. He's talking about that glory. He's talking about the glory that they had before the beginning of time, when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we're a perfect community, a perfect family, perfectly working together. He says, Father, we had that together in heaven, that glory together. And he says, glorify me now that I may give it to them. Jesus' last prayer was all about unity. But it wasn't just like, come on, let's hold up a big banner and do a, a Jesus march and say that we are one. It was about this incredibly deep revelation about understanding the perfect family and becoming that family, not just people who meet in a church together, but people who actually get a revelation that we are of the same blood. The blood of Jesus Christ was shed so that our blood could be hooked up to God's blood again and we would be brought back into perfect relationship with our Father and with each other. Amen. So in John 17, Jesus is literally saying, and he's crying out to God, God, let them get it. Like, I don't have much longer left on the earth. This is his last prayer that he's praying. Lord, let them get it. Let them get the reason that you sent the Son so that they would know their Father and they would be the family on earth that we need them to be. Jesus is saying, let them get it. Let them get the love that we had for each other, that they might love each other the way we love each other. And you know, through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power and the teaching of the Holy Spirit, through the nurturing of the Father, it is possible. It is possible for imperfect human beings to become the image of the Trinity the image of the perfect family on the earth as it is in heaven again. It is possible. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have prayed it. He wouldn't have prayed, Lord, let them get it. Let them understand this. He wouldn't have prayed it if he didn't think it was possible. I believe with all my heart that in the last days of this earth, there's going to come a mighty rise of a glorious church who understand that this is all about relationship. 
It's not about rules and regulations and systems and structures and turning up and not turning up and meetings and more meetings. This is about relationship. We come here because we're brothers and sisters standing together to worship our Father in heaven so that he might teach us how to love each other and how to walk together. He says, God, let them get it that they love each other. He says, let them get it, the purpose that we shared. You know when there's a common purpose, there's something that knits hearts together. When there's one mind, one heart, one spirit, one purpose. Yes, we have our lives. We go to work. You know, we live our other lives that we live and we have to live. We live them in the kingdom. But when we're together, there is a corporate purpose that makes us one, that drives us forward, that gives us hope and purpose and vision that we aren't just like foster children waiting for placement, but we actually have found a home, we actually have found a place, and we've actually found a purpose. Amen. And the purpose is the kingdom of God coming to earth. The purpose for us is to love each other so much that the world may know that we are his disciples, that people would come running to the church because they say it's the only place I feel like I belong. You know, I... I was saved out in an incredible circumstance. Thank you, Jesus, for that, for his grace and mercy that he came chasing after me. You know, in the middle of Asia, where there was no churches and different kind of spirituality, 30 years ago, Jesus came and visited me in a hotel room, face to face, the face of Jesus. He spoke to me and he called me. My precious Jesus called me. He was in desperate pursuit of me because he wanted me to be born again. He wanted me to know him. Amen. And after I saw his face and he looked into my eyes and he looked deeply into my soul, I knew for the first time in my life that I had come home. I didn't know what home looked like. I didn't know where home was. When he said, follow me, I didn't know where to follow him or how to do it. I had no understanding of God or the church. I didn't ever, never met a Christian. I was 21 years of age, had never met a Christian. No one had ever shared the gospel with me. That's why Jesus said, I came myself because I sent many others and no one would go. But I saw home in his eyes. And then I had to go look for that home. Then I said, this home that I've seen in your eyes, Jesus, where is it? Where do I go? Follow you. Where? I don't know. I haven't got a clue. I went into a few churches. I won't say which ones. They were waving things and smoking things was happening. Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I stood at the back. I looked and I went, well, he's not here. I know what it feels like when he's in the room. He's not here. See, to be the perfect family, we have to have the perfect family present. We have to have the Father here. We have to have the Son here. We have to have the Holy Spirit here to teach us how to do this because there's no way I can teach you how to do this I don't know myself <laughs> while I'm learning. <laughs> and so then we, we, 
we, you know, were looking around and praying. And finally, we walked into this church, Liverpool Christian Life Centre, down in the western suburbs of Sydney. And we both walked in and at first they looked crazy. They looked crazy. They were jumping around. They were doing the Pentecostal hop. And I was a dancer. I'd come from the entertainment industry. And I, and I walk in there and, and, and they're doing the Pentecostal hop. I thought, what a bunch of squares. Like, look at them. Um, and this music, you know, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going, give me a break. This can't be home. But I looked at the people. I looked at the faces of the people and I said to Phil, he's here. We're home. He's here. I cannot deny that Jesus Christ is in this room. And the same feeling that I had when he looked into my eyes, I got when I looked into the eyes of those people. As imperfect as they were, they were my family. As crazy as they were. As loud as some of them were. There was one guy that used to sprout in tongues every service. You know, back in the old Pentecost days, it was like, and then someone would interpret it, and I'd just be standing there going, what the heck? And I think, you're crazy, but you're my family. It's okay. It's okay. We're family. And Jesus said, let them get it that they would have perfection of identity. I think this is so important. Do you know that when you feel like, when you feel like you're a foster child, like you're just visiting this house, you're just visiting this family, you don't even really unpack your bags <laughs> because, you know, you might have to go to another family soon if this doesn't measure up. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Okay, <laughs> I'm lip reading Phil. You know, I ra- we raised a foster child in our now home. He's now 45 or something like that. We got him when he was three. Loved him with all our heart, you know. But he was in a you know, foster home when we first got, uh, not a foster home, uh, an orphanage. And his sister had been adopted out and they'd been separated and he got meningitis and became deaf. And so he was very violent and angry isolated, he, wouldn't, he was only three, no one could get near him, he was still in nappies, sitting in a corner, um, he was, no one wanted to adopt him because he was deaf and he was angry and my mother just fell in love with him, we had five children already, she's saying, I'm going to bring him home, he's going to be your brother and she said to dad, you're going to have another son, he doesn't look like you, he's got red hair and freckles but he's going to be our family, we're going to Welcome him in and all you kids are going to love him and that's all there is to it because God said, because God said, that's it. And so we brought David home and they gave us some money to buy him clothes and all that kind of stuff. Now in the, in the orphanage, it was first up best dressed, so he often just had a nappy on and no, just not even a singlet because all the kids would get the clothes first and he just couldn't be bothered fighting, so he'd just sit in the corner in a nappy. But when he came to our house, now he's got shoes, he's got socks, he's got undies, he's got full wardrobe. And we, you know, he bought him this little wardrobe, we put all his stuff in it, and he was sleeping in a trundle bed next to one of my sisters. And, you know, we're saying, that's your clothes, David, that's, they're yours. And he just wasn't getting it. And that night, when we, uh, we put him to bed and mum went in to check on him, 
you know, his head was up like this on the pillow because he'd gotten everything out of that wardrobe and he'd put it under his pillow. Everything, every pair of shoes, every sock, every undies because someone was going to come and take it in the morning. And then after that, he packed it all up in suitcase because it was like, I'm, it's just a matter of time before I have to leave here and I don't want to leave my clothes behind. You know, he lived his whole life with that mentality. To this day, he rejects us as a family because he could never get it that we really loved him. He never got it. He was with us all those years. We were the most loving family you'd ever want to know about. We poured our lives into him. To this day, he rejects us because he says, you're not my family. But how do you get more family than that? And there comes a time where you go to come and you've got to unpack your bags and you've got to stop sleeping on your clothes and say someone pinches them. And you've got to become a part of the family. And not just loosely, like, oh, yeah, you're my brother, you're my sister, take me by the hand. But actually in your heart. You know, it's a heart condition. And this perfection of identity that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit had, this perfection of identity, it came out of a place of belonging. You know, there's many young people right now that have a lot of problems, many older people that have a lot of problems because they never received identity from their parents. The Father calls a son into identity. You see? We can use that as an excuse. We can say, look, I don't really, I really can't belong because my father wasn't that great. My mother wasn't that great. And therefore, I have no revelation of what you're talking about as God being my father. But I want to tell you this. Jesus was the perfect son who never had an earthly father. Jesus was the perfect father who never had earthly sons. And Jesus was the perfect husband who never had an earthly bride. He's our example. When we submit ourselves in sonship to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they will teach us. They will heal us. They will guide us and they will position us for sonship if we just listen. Your Father in heaven is a perfect Father. None of our fathers were perfect. Let's be real. But he's a perfect father. And as we submit ourselves to him, sons and daughters of God, as we say to him, I choose to belong even though it hurts. As we say to him, I'm going to get on with my brother or sister even if we have a bit of sibling rivalry. Even if they are crazy. Even if they are loud or even if they don't dress the way I think they should dress or they don't talk the way, maybe they've got bad breath, whatever. But this is my brother, this is my sister. And as we position ourselves as family, then God begins to give us identity. And what you'll find is if it's you position yourself as a son and daughter of God and allow God to bring inner healing to your own parent issues, what happens is then God begins to give you identity within the body of Christ, within the family of God. Suddenly, you're not just a sister now, you become an auntie. Suddenly, you're not just one of the girls, but you're being raised up as a spiritual mother. Suddenly, you're not just one of the boys, but you're an older brother who can lead others. You're an uncle 
who just has that right word to say when people just need to hear it. You're the uncle that brings the presents, you know, when you don't usually get much at Christmas. Suddenly, there's fathers that begin to rise up in the body of Christ because the sons and daughters release the fathers, the true spiritual fathers. True spiritual fathers cannot be true spiritual fathers unless the sons and daughters position themselves and allow their hearts to be healed of their own parent issues. This is the journey we're going to be on. He said, Jesus said, let them get it the way that we honoured each other. You know, Pastor Phil was speaking to me yesterday about the Eastern cultures and how they honour one another, the Italian cultures, the European cultures, how there's an honouring in families. You know, if the father's at the head of the table, you just better be quiet. There's an honouring. There's an honouring between, in my own community, in the Aboriginal community, where they honour the elders. They always honour the elders. There's that honouring. And I think as a Western nation, we've lost that. We've lost that honouring of each other. We've lost that honouring, especially the young generation coming up now. I see such a dishonouring of, of, of older people, such a dishonouring of anyone with authority, such a dishonouring of each other, the way they speak of each other, they speak about each other and rip each other to shreds. This is not what God intended. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit honoured one another. And they work together. They work together. You think about it now. How much the Father loved us and how much he desperately wanted to walk with us in that garden again, face to face, face to face, he walked with us. But when it was time to bring redemption to the earth and to bring us back to himself, he deferred in honour and said, I will send the Son. The father said, I will send the son. He, he, was, he chooses to send his son to go face to face with his kids, even though he knew he would be challenged, he would be tempted, he would even risk losing him to the enemy because it says that the enemy tempted him and, and tried him. He risked that. But he honoured what was on the son's life and he believed that the son would fulfill his mission. He deferred. Then Jesus has done his work. He's been to the cross. He's done his mission upon the earth. He said, it is finished. He paid the price for all mankind. He says, I must return to the Father. But I will not leave you as orphans, for I will leave the Holy Spirit. He defers to the Holy Spirit. See, not one of the Trinity said, I can handle this. I got this. They were teaching us how to work as a body, as a family, how to honour, how to defer, how to step out of the way and release. And you know what? Within the church, if we don't allow God to deal with our own father issues, our parenting issues, and bring inner healing to our hearts... What ends up is that we try to be leading or helping other people with an older brother mentality, with an older brother jealousy. Jealousy, control, competition, criticism will come in. If you know the story of the prodigal son, I'm going to go into that more later. I'm just whetting your appetite for the future teachings. But if you know the story of the prodigal son, 
It was the older brother who was so jealous and competitive because he never resolved his relationship with his father. But the son, the prodigal son, went away and he realised one thing. He realised what he wasn't. And he said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I haven't been a son to you, father, but I'll be your servant. And the father embraces him and the son gets the full inheritance, not just the money. It's an incredible story. You see, if we want fathers to truly rise up in the church, we need to be healed of our own inner issues, our own parenting issues, so that we can be sons and daughters who position ourselves and we don't turn into jealous older brothers vying for attention, squabbling and criticising and competing with one another for the father's attention. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to become those who are secure in, in our identity and purpose within the kingdom family. Everyone say kingdom family. Are we starting to understand? We're starting to get a glimpse of revelation. He wants the relationships between us and him and us and each other to be fully restored. He, Jesus just didn't die so that we will be restored to the Father. He died so we will be restored to the Father and restored to each other as the perfect family. Amen? That the world would know. Listen to this scripture as I'm finishing up. John 17, the music team can come. And we're going to have communion together as a family in a minute so we can get that ready. John 17, let's read this together. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave to me. Everyone, what's the glory? It's that relational, relational kingdom. I've given them the glory that you gave to me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. You can hand that out, thanks. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. You see, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's all about us perfecting relationships the whole Bible is about relationships from the beginning of God walking in the garden in relationship with us to the very end where he has a, the marriage supper of the lamb with us from the beginning to the end it's all about relationships and we can just get saved and come into the church and tack it on to the end of our lives or we can choose to enter into relationship intimately with our Father 
and with each other, and then we become kingdom family. Amen. And the last thing I want to say is this. What happens when we begin to perfect this, when we begin to work this out, is what happened to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They began to create out of that. Out of love comes creation. And if you look at the book of Acts, you'll see they were all together in one mind and the Holy Spirit came and 3,000 were added to their number in that day. Acts chapter 4 says they were in one heart and one mind and many miracles were done amongst them. Jesus said if we would be in unity, then he would bless us. Out of our family, out of this family, I believe we can do it, C3 Tugra. And those that are listening on podcast in your churches, in your area, wherever you are, we can be the family. We can be this family. We can be the true church. We can be the family of God if we would just position our hearts in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3tugra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's be.